So this morning this reflecting on the way it is, those obvious facts, this is here and now, the time is now, the place is here, and then the body, the breath, sound of silence, all present, they're not creations, out of ignorance, out of personal preference. So this is, you know, this how we ground ourselves, focus, pay attention to the way it is. So just by uh, focusing on the obvious in the present, here and now, this is not about doing something now to get something in the future. It's not about getting caught up in memories of the past, regrets or whatever, but in this sense of awakened attention, a listening, observing, witnessing, discerning ability. And we're cultivating this. So it's not putting it off till tomorrow, but it's, it's now, here and now. And, and it's not uh, trying to get anything or get rid of anything, but observing the way it is. Whether you like it or don't like it is not the issue. <clears throat> it's just uh, like this. Your physical body, sitting posture is like this. And so it's a, just this simple reflection, which to a worldly mind, it sounds like nonsense. But it's... Uh, not about making making sense out of it, but it's doing it. It's a patibhata practice, practice and liberation. <clears throat> so it's that's uh, the the physical body, and we have to live with these for our lifespan. And it's coarse. It's it's a physical thing. Whatever state it's in at this moment, healthy, unhealthy, male or female, young or old, whatever, it's, we're not we're not identifying or judging it according to its qualities or conditions, but the way it is. So sitting is like this. Now, when you when you say that to yourself, just kind of informing yourself. Sitting is like this. What do you do? What's happening? It's not about trying to figure out how to, to do it. It's just doing it. It's imminent. It's bhati-bhata. It's a practice. So it's so simple, just 
you know, observing, sitting, this body at this moment, sitting here on this tamat, this seat here, it's like this. And now when I do this, then I observe the kind of pressure of sitting, the, the body, the pressure of, I feel, you know, physical sensations. Sitting on the seat is like this. The feet, legs, arms, shoulders, head, spine, all these are just the way they are. So it's Pachubanantama, isn't it? It's here and now. It's observing rather than making it into something, you know, I, I would like, what want, I don't want. I don't know what he's talking about. As if you didn't know you had a body. So this is a, you know, this is a solid, coarse, observable form that we're born into and live with till it dies. And so it's, it's a useful condition because it, it will, because it's a natural condition. You didn't create the body out of ignorance. It's not yours. It's not, uh, you know, not a matter of, of uh, judging it or owning it or rejecting it or trying to make it, you know, the, a perfect body, but it's in, Recognizing it is like this. So these four postures during this retreat, you know, the Iriya boat, the Iribata, the sitting, standing, walking, lying down. This is a constant refrain in teaching meditation, isn't it? Because it will if you just observe your body and stop thinking about it or trying to, you know, th- thinking about the future, remembering the past, or just following your mood in the present. If you just stay with just the physical sensations of sitting and, the, and of the body, you know, with its, you know, you can observe, sweep through the body, you know, observe the hands and the shoulders, the neck and this, it's like this, you're actually establishing this sense of reflective awareness, Pachubanatama. Quite easily. And it, because it is natural, then it's not, it's not an artifice, or it's not about good, bad, right, wrong, how things should or shouldn't be. So whatever kind of physical health you have, you know, whether you're healthy or sickly or young or old, whatever, it's not, doesn't matter. We're not interested in making a big deal about, you know, the, the quality of the body in this present, but observing it, using it. So this is sati Sampatanya, which leads to satipanya, because it's a discerning, you're discerning it. You're not judging it, owning it, identifying with it. You're not rejecting it, denying it, uh, suppressing it, but accepting it for what it is in the present. 
And so these four area boats are, you know, they're just ways of remembering to, to, um, bring yourself into the present, you know, rather than thinking. Thinking, you know, getting caught up with your thoughts and emotions will carry you away into past and future. So the essence of meditation then is the whole, the whole point of it is to develop, cultivate this pure presence, consciousness. We're experiencing consciousness and the physical form of the body. And these are not personal creations. They're natural conditions. And then as you're aware of the body, you know, then you become aware of the breathing. The body's breathing. So this is natural. This is the natural condition of the body. Bodies breathe. When they stop breathing, that's death. So it's, uh, you know, the breathing is like this. Inhaling, exhaling. And you're observing, you're witnessing, you're not the owner of the breath. It's not personal. It's not, you know, about how well you or badly you're breathing. And whatever way you're breathing at this moment is like this. So I'm emphasizing this like in Thai, a tamachat natural conditions that that are not that we don't create out of ignorance they're impersonal they are what they are you know the body can be you know sickly or maimed disabled whatever but it's it's not about identifying with its disabilities but recognizing the body the body that we have that we're experiencing at this moment in consciousness is like this. So consciousness itself is what, you know, it's a it's natural, natural state of being. It's not a personal, it's not about my consciousness as if I owned it and it's, it's mine and you've got your consciousness and I've got my consciousness. We can think like this, but this is kind of thinking again, isn't it? Owning it as some kind of identity. Taking the body, like vanity, is uh, identifying with the body, isn't that? I have, you know, I'm beautiful or ugly, young or old, wanting to, to make oneself attractive, young, beautiful, beautiful complexion and all the rest, is vanity. That's, that's artifices, isn't it? That's artificial. There's a creation of human desire and ignorance. But the body as it is, is not a creation out of, that, that I personally have created out of desire. But it is a desire form. And that these are desire forms. They're, 
they have these desires in them. Seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, isn't it? It's the sense world is all about desire, attraction to the beautiful revulsion of the ugly. So, you know, and for calm, for peacefulness, like just contemplating being with the, the body itself and the breathing, this will take you to a sense of calm and tranquility if you're patient with it. Keep, keep you know, your mind will wander because we're, a, we're kind of thinking creatures. We're educated. We... We have all kinds of views and opinions and emotions that, uh, of love and hate, like and dislike. And, and so these, these habits, these conditions will carry us away. So the, the emphasis then is paying attention, bring, learning to just bring yourself into the present, no matter how many times your mind wanders away in thinking or feeling, you're training it to come back to it's like this. So also when we come into like in the morning coming into the temple we have this sense of you know we what is your mood? You know so you get up out of bed and you, what kind of mood are, uh, is there, you know, and so it, it's not to, to kind of uh, trying to create some kind of ideal mood but recognizing the mood that you're experiencing, you're observing, maybe you feel sleepy, confused, grumpy, peaceful, whatever, but the, this awareness of the mood. Because that does affect, if we're not aware of how the actual mood that we're experiencing, the emotional state or the inner kind of environment, the mental state that we're experiencing, then, you know, all our efforts can be con continually frustrated. We're trying to suppress maybe negative mood or sleepiness or dullness or some kind of emotional uh, excitement or stress that you, you find yourself in in the present. So I've named these three things, like the three things to, to you know, to train yourself with. The, the body and the present, the breathing, the mood. And notice this, this is, it's not about good, bad, right and wrong, it's the way it is. 
where on a personal level we judge, we make judgments. I'm in a bad mood, good mood, peaceful mood, unpeaceful, rebellious mood, happy, depressed, confused, doubtful, uncertain, insecure. And that then we, we're creating those terms onto the mood, isn't it? We, we have words, we have concepts that we uh, project onto the mood that we're experiencing, which convey it as something uh, desirable or undesirable, good, bad. You notice how the thinking process is all about quality and quantity. It's analytical, it's critical, and in a bad mood. The word bad is a, is a, is a word, isn't it? It's a, it's a adjective. And it, and it can describes how we see them, say if we're in what we call a bad mood, then we say, I'm in a bad mood. But in this way, in this reflective style of Sati Sampachanya, it's not about good, bad, it is the way it is. And then your habit may be to, to label it in, as some quality, peaceful, unpeaceful, confused, excited, inspired, depressed, whatever. So the, and I'm pointing out that these are, this is language, concept, projected onto the way it is. This is a creation uh, that we, we, we do as human beings. We have language, we have memory, we have, we've developed our critical faculties to a high degree in modern societies. So the critical function is, is about thinking, analyzing, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, that's what, you know, that's why thinking, we call it dualistic because it, that it can only do that. It can just give, you know, it just wanders, wandering thoughts. One thought connects to another, a mood, uh, something, a uh, memory will arise, deja vu, all that kind of thing will affect us. We get carried away uh, with memories, perceptions. We like to analyze and judge and be reasonable, rational. This is, this is better than, than that, bigger, smaller. <clears throat> but this um, intuitive awareness, Satisampatanya, is not judging, it's not critical, but it's certainly discerning, it observes, observing the way it is, a mood is like this. And so when, when I do this to myself, just this reflection, I, I'm accepting the mood. I'm not uh, trying to make a problem about it, but just recognizing it. And if, you know, if I, and I personally may not like the mood, but training myself to stop getting caught up with my preferences about liking or disliking it, but it's the way it is. And this, this, reminds me to just accept it, to be patient, forbearing with it, allow it to be the way it is. 
then it's actually in doing that we're letting go of the mood. We're no longer, uh, you know, uh, identifying it with it, becoming the mood or trying to get rid of it. So letting go is, is not about rejecting, denying, annihilating anything. It's about letting it be the way it is. And of course that means patience, being patient. Because, uh, you know, on a personal level we may not like the way it is. <clears throat> so it's, uh, and this is like what we call training, bhati-bhata. So these words like letting go, or, you know, doesn't mean rejecting, denying, but it means allowing it to be what it is. And to allow it to be what it is, we, we let go of it. And then we can see it uh, in terms of the way it is. It's in Nietzsche, Dukkha, Anatta. But it's not projecting these concepts. It's so clever, human beings these days, you know, that we, we can think we're really practicing Vipassana by projecting concepts of Anicca Dukkanata onto everything. And this, you see this in Vipassana circles, you know, constantly projecting everything as impermanent as a concept onto experience. But that's not, it's not about projecting concepts onto experience, it's, it's awakened recognition of the way it is. So you're, you're developing a natural, you're, you're going, you're being this natural state of attentiveness to your true nature, which is non-personal, it's, it's anatta. So then, you know, as we begin to notice the sound of silence, the nada, the resonating background vibration. Because we don't create that either. It's not my invention or some kind of personal ability. It's just to, to recognize this, what I call sound of silence, it's letting go of everything, really. And that's where some people get confused. They, they, they already conceive it as a sound and something that they've got to find. And you never will that way. It's just letting go. It's like relaxing into the moment, observing, being, being alert, attentive, aware, discerning. So the body is a condition. Breathing is conditioned. Moods are conditions. Sankharas. And so then the, the sati uh, sampatanya 
is awakening, recognizing the unconditioned. Discerning it. Which of course is mindfulness itself, mindfulness. Understanding it, it's discerning it in this way. Sampatanya. A kind of poised attentiveness. And this uh, vibration, this background vibration, sound, whatever it is, is not a creation. We don't create it. You just recognize it. And then by recognizing that we we begin to, you know, like I encourage you to to use it as a as a reference point, not as some kind of personal attainment or in a, like if you don't notice it, don't worry about it, it'll make it into a problem. But this relationship of the unconditioned to the conditioned. Now these are words, aren't they? And so their limitation is they seem dualistic, like the unconditioned is opposed to the conditioned. And that's that's the you know that's the the thinking process. But we're not thinking in terms of logic and reason and. And uh, and to define and say the unconditioned is better than the conditioned, isn't it? It's not a rejection or a judgment about conditioned phenomena. You know, then it goes into judging, isn't it? It's all conditioned; doesn't matter. Everything's going to die anyway. You should let go. There's no self, no soul, no God, no none, and then get into into the annihilation syndrome. That but it's this is a discerning. Though it's not this discerning ability is not is a panya or wisdom, because it is you know in this state we're in at this very moment. This is this is the way out of birth and death out of suffering. The gate to the death. So, years ago I had, I, I, I really like to read these various quotes and things, and I came across this one uh, that I've used before. If it sticketh to the supernal mind that needs not move, it is superior to the necessity of fate. And so this, this, if it sticketh to the supernal mind that needs not move, this is not Buddhist uh, jargon, actually. (laughs) Uh, It's like, like the sound of silence is like that, it's supernal. It's above the thinking process, it's outside it. Sticketh to it, 
it is superior to the necessity of fate, which means like your karma or your mood, your physical body. So it means like this relationship in, in mindfulness put, brings us to this supernal moment of recognition, discerning this, the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Recognizing it's not something you don't have, not something you find, you recognize. And then your relationship, the relationship from here, from this point, is, uh, you know, the, the awareness of the, you know, the, developing the, the insights into the noble truths, paticca samuppada, dependent origination. These are all helpful conventional teachings which, which keep directing our attention in the right way. Otherwise we get into personal uh, scenarios. The critical mind. We get caught in guilt or remorse or worry about the future. So something like this, for me, this is just my, the way I, my mind tends to use things, like stick it to the supernal mind. Well, as far as my own insight goes, this is like, this is as supernal as I've ever found. And so it, it's, uh, you know, it works. If you, you know, this why I talk like this. Because it does have this, this sense of a flowing kind of, you know, it's, it's not a, a kind of static blank. It, it has a vibrant kind of flowingness to it. A continuity like stream or like a flowing stream. That's here, here and now, all the time. When you, we forget it, we get caught up in, in the conditions, but then we, we remind ourselves. Here and now, sound of silence. Just the word silence, stillness, it brings, you know, it's still, it's kind of still not in the sense of dead, kind of in, you know, it's just the kind of blank nothingness where you kind of annihilate yourself. But where the self then, the sense of yourself, the sakaya ditti, the personality of you, the ego, has, is, can be seen and, uh, and discerned. You see that, you know, you discern the self. That it's not a, you know, it's not a judging of the self. You're not criticizing yourself. You're discerning it. 
Now that's why in this chant, the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, this is, this is, this is the superb paradigm for practice. There is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. If there was not, there'd be no escape. There'd no way out of the created, the formed, the conditioned. We'd be stuck in the, in the vortex of Sankhara. No way out. Just kind of giving up and going along with everything. Victim of fate, isn't it? We all have karmic conditioning we have to live with. You know, we, when we're born, you know, you don't have much choice. You're born into, into your families, in the places, you know, and, and you get what, you know, you, what's available. You're conditioned by it. Some it can be very good, pleasant, some it can be horrible. You know, so it's, uh, it's, and then we're just kind of victims of all that, of, of the conditioning process. <clears throat> so we, you know, we don't always get the best conditioning from birth. And if all we know is the conditioning, then the, it does seem hopeless. You know, you do. You can understand why people get so depressed, why they commit suicide, why they have to drink and take drugs and all the rest. Because it, it you know, it's sometimes utterly hopeless when you're trapped in this, in this swirl of conditioning. And there seems no way out of it. It just goes on and on and on. And then the way out, because there is escape from the created, the form, the condition. So to me, that says a lot. There is a way out. We're not victims of life. No matter what your background is or your conditioning, you know, it's not no longer, you know, you don't need the best conditioning to, to, uh, uh, to be liberated. It's your, your willingness, your aspiration to escape from it. Not to, by turning against it or rejecting it, by recognizing, discerning it conditions are like this. It's non-personal then. It is what it is. You know, whatever mood, emotional state, physical state you're in at this moment, it is it's not. It's important. I keep reiterating this critical faculty. It's not what we're using anymore. But this discerning now, I don't know, this is not, you know, we, people, most people don't understand the difference between discerning and criticizing. It's just like visual consciousness, the consciousness through the eye, you discern the space in the temple here, and, and you, you can discern the, you know, you're aware of it. Suddenly, space is here and now, it's not something that, that, uh, you know, it's so obvious. 
isn't it? Space. When you, when you open your eyes and look, it's just all around us. And then the conditions, the pillars, the shrine, the walls, the floor, the ceiling, the people, the zafus and the sitting mats and the windows and all the rest, the conditions, discerning, you discern space, you don't, you know, you're not saying it's good or bad space. It isn't space, space doesn't have any quality to it. It's just the way it is. It's, a, it's you know, if it has a, maybe the quality of spaciousness. But if you're in a kind of claustrophobic cell, then you feel, you know, space is, isn't spacious. It's, it's claustrophobic. You know, you're in this horrible prison cell, kind of, you know, where there isn't much space. But there's still space, isn't it? If there weren't any, you wouldn't be able to be in the cell. And then space is, has no it's not about, you know, has no form to it. We create forms into space. So this is just a way of, of reflecting on space, just on visual, the visual level of, of seeing, and then of discerning space and the conditions. So it's like perspective, we get perspective this way. If we don't do this, then we may not consciously notice the space at all. We just caught in uh, the shrine or the people, uh, you know, the conditions here. We just go from one to the next. Maybe we like it, don't like it, whatever. Then the critical mind, uh, judging, qualifying, and goes on, you know, from one thing to another. But if you just, you know, rest in the space, there's nothing to criticize in it. So it's just a way of noticing the way it is. So space and consciousness, they, you know, they, say, they have no form. They're not bounded by form. Where the other elements, the four elements, earth, fire, water, and air, are all about limitation, form, color, quality, size, good, bad, right, wrong, beautiful, ugly, and all the rest. That's, a, you know, when we contemplate the, the six elements, earth, fire, water, and air, these are, this is, this is a simple way of reflecting, but it is, you know, the, the, this is what we live with. The bodies, the emotions, all can be put in this category of earth, fire, water, and air. And then space and consciousness. 
have no form, no boundary, not about color or beauty or ugliness or anything like that. And yet, wherever we are, there's space and consciousness operating, isn't it? If there's no space, no consciousness, this is impossible. Now, whatever state you're in, you know, whatever emotional emotion you're having in the present, what's ever happening, pleasure, pain, sickness, whatever, it's, there's still space in consciousness all the time. It's, it's discerning it. It's like this. Re in other words, recognizing it, noticing, paying attention. Now, over the years, you know, I, from my own practice of this, this kind of practice, <clears throat> you do, if you keep at it, you keep doing it, then, you know, it's, it's like eventually, it, 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 you know, it begins, you do have this sense of a continuous, uh, Awareness. It's connected. It's not momentary or sporadic. Or just at first, you know, when I first had these insights, it, you know, just I forget because the power of of my karma was so, you know, strong. The necessities of fate were overwhelming at first, but then in the life of a samana over these many years as a monk. And cultivating, developing this, and keep reminding. So it's like this, this continuous reference to the Pachubana, to here and now. To use everything that's happening to you, you know, for, for awareness. It's not about finding perfect place where everything is the way you want it to be, but it's using what you, what's present here and now, in whatever quality, quantity uh, it might be manifesting in this moment. And, and so it's like reminding, because they do get carried away by our passions and feelings and views and opinions. But, you know, in, I, you know, in my own case, training myself to, to use this, seeing everything as opportunity for cultivating It's like that story I tell about malaria, where I couldn't practice uh, concentration anymore. I couldn't get into concentrated states that I'd been developing. Because I felt so terrible. And then Lumpacha says, 
And I thought, I can't meditate anymore. And Ajahn Chah says, malaria is your meditation. Well, that was quite an insight because suddenly I was using malaria, the, the unpleasant, the unwanted physical sensations and that, that come with that disease. You know, rather than seeing it as, as an obstruction to my practice, it is my practice. Whatever, you know, the pain or sickness or, or whatever is, is, if that's what one's experiencing, this is what we learn from. Not that I have to get rid of malaria so I can practice anymore. <clears throat> because that's suffering, that's why, you know, the sakaya ditti, the self, my personal preference, I prefer not having malaria. And I don't want it and I want to get rid of it. Then changing from the personal to the awareness is like this. These uh, feelings, whatever they might be, are like this, and and uh, and and just being with it, uh, being patient, and allowing it to be what it is. But it's not a kind of negative resignation to it. It's it's a very positive kind of willingness to use maybe something very unwanted and unpleasant. Because those are the real challenges when we don't get what we want, isn't it? When we can't, when we don't uh, get what we want, that's you know, you see that as opportunity. And, you know, something to, to learn, to discern. It's like this. I, di I didn't get what I wanted like this. Or we all have periods, you know, where we feel, you know, get insulted or, or made fun of or, or disrespected or whatever. And then, you know, it's a, this is part of human existence. The eight worldly dhammas. So these, you know, then we can feel sorry for ourselves, we can feel angry, disillusioned. But uh, use these, these opportunities, you know, for, you know, to see everything is praise and blame, success and failure, worldly dhammas. So, you know, and this, you know, this is, it's important to, to recognize that this is, uh, this is what we're after, liberation. Not for becoming, not trying to become something, but liberating ourselves from, by this, through discerning the way things are. Not through annihilating anything, but discerning. And this reflective ability you know, to discern. You can see the suffering of being attached to conditioned phenomena. Just like my plans to retire. 
at the after the Katina in November. And then the thing going leaving Amravati is like this. And then you can see the attachments to Amravati, to living in a nice kuti. And then you can see any form of uh, you know, just observing the way my you know, my personal my personality desires tend to to cling to uh, you know the the kuti itself very nice best kuti I've ever had and so it's, it's not that I'm just you know leaving here with no you know just like you know, blank state but using the situation for observing attachment and how that attachment forms a sense of personal identity. So, like discerning it. It's not saying, I, you know, it shouldn't be attached to Kuti. That's a, that's an ideal maybe. It's about shoulds, you know. But in, but in the sense of leaving it, it's like this. And so I'm not trying to, to just kind of, you know, repress my feelings about it, pretend I don't have any or I'm not attached, but observing any kind of feelings of of attachment or holding or clinging or whatever that that arise in consciousness then I can say do I want to be you know this you know I reflect uh, attached to something a physical you know a, a kuti or a place or a person And then I, I can be, you know, I'm quite willing to, to attach quite intentionally, to observe attachment. And then non-attachment is like this. So, you, you know, you, you know, there's a knowing the difference between attachment, clinging, upadana, and non-attachment. Where I shouldn't be attached to anything is is sakyaditi, isn't it? You know, I have a lot of attachments and I know I shouldn't. You know, I've been a monk 43 years. Uh, You know, I shouldn't be attached to anything by this time. This is sakyaditi, isn't it? I'm, I'm you know, I've been a monk a long time. I should be free from all attachments, but... I, you know, I still see attachments in me, and and I know it. this is sakyaditi. So you know, sakyaditi is like this. It's not judging; it's just noticing, observing, discerning it. Anatta is like this. Sound of silence, the kind of patience with the with the sakyaditi that has arisen. 
and then you see it as change. It's sankara changing. You're aware of its presence and its absence. When there's no self, it's like this. You know, the discerning, you, know, you can observe the, you can discern the, the attachments like this, non-attachment is like this. So I call this intuition, isn't it, or intuitive awareness. Uh, and it, so it's a, uh, It's a, it's a wisdom, you know, it's about liberation, not about trying to make everything into what we want or what the best is or how things should or sh how things should be. So that's all I'm really interested in. If I can get this across, you know, I keep, I've been saying this for years, so it's not like new discovery for most of you, but it, it does take a constant reminding. You have to remind yourself because you can't depend on me because I'm going away. But it's learning to take it and use it. You know, make it work for you. You're not depending on my reflections or conditions to do it, but using it. You know, and it's up to you now. Like when we take the Bapacha Upasambhada ordinations, like these becoming monks and nuns and samanas and anagarikas, anagarikas, things like this. It's like, you know, it's, it's not, don't expect anything transformative thing to come from being ordained. You know, it's like Sila Bhattabharamasa, isn't it? It's like, I shave my head, put on a robe, and suddenly I'm transformed into something else. I mean, it is just convention. And it can be sakayaditi. Or it needn't be. And so the aim of the samana life is liberation. That's all that we're doing here. Like this winter's retreat, uh, you know, it's the whole, it's an opportunity, isn't it, to occasion, to, uh, to really go for it, you know. You got the lay people, all these beautiful lay people that come to support us while we practice. I mean, this is a marvelous opportunity. Most people don't have such occasions in their lives. So this this constant pointing and reminding, because we do we you know we're we're living in a very powerful sense realm that's impinging that's influencing consciousness all the time, you know whatever you know and then the, we're in a society that's very deluded anyway. So I mean you've, you've got all the pressures of the society, uh, you know fears and anxieties, worries, problems political problems, social problems, personal relationships, on and on like this, it goes on endlessly. Uh, you know, there's no end to that. 
and and the physical body having a human form is like this. It's not, you know, it's a constant irritation. You have to live all these years, you know, from birth to a hundred years, if any of us ever lived that long, in this state of constant agitation, restless conditions changing, sensory impingement. And then there is an escape from that through this awareness. Not that we're going to get rid of the senses, but we're no longer just caught in the, in kind of floundering and 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 hopelessly uh, you know trapped in the in this whirling vortex of samsara. So it's just that that reminding that instant moment here and now re- reflection till it's timeless. It's a Kalika Dhamma. Santidiko, Akaliko, Ehipasko, Upanayiko, Bajatang, Vaitidapa, we knew it.